We've done it again. What did we do? We, we went to another expo. Oh, we did. We did. Good times. It's our second one for the year, isn't it? Is it only second? I feel like we've done a lot more. No, I guess not. No. Oh, it is quite early in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to Multiple Nerdgasms Convention Coverage. Should we introduce ourselves? Sure. My name's Matt. I'm Jenna. I'm Luke. And we are... I haven't done that in ages. <laughs> multiple Nerdgasm. Oh, gasm, gasm, gasm. Offshoot episode of Multiple Nerdgasm. Yeah. So where have we been this weekend? We went to GX Australia. Yeah. Is it just GX now? I, I think so. The- Gamer X? Well, all of the websites say GX. I wonder, do you think they did that on purpose? Because it's more than just gay. It's Yeah, maybe. It's kind of everything. It's LGBTI now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It, it is, but they also made a point of making it, you know, it, it's for everybody. Yeah. Maybe the, they dropped all of those connotations a little bit. Did you guys feel welcome? <laughs> yeah, I, I did, actually. I always feel welcome. Yeah. yeah. No, I had a good time. Yeah, so did I. Everybody there was really great. Yeah, yeah. Now, I have to start by saying they were so pleasant to deal with in regards to getting media passes. Yeah. It is the best experience I have had so far. <laughs> so thank you, Joshua. Yeah, they were very accommodating. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was well organized. Joshua Meadows and Liam Essler, those are the two guys who organized it. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah, they did a great job. It was, it was a very small convention. Yeah. I yeah. only went to the one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. Because I had to come back to Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you said, it was a small convention. It was not, uh, it was not like PAX or, or one of the other big conventions or RTX that was in the same space, you know, a, a month ago. Yeah, it was a huge difference in feel from RTX because RTX was just packed out. There were people everywhere. It didn't feel, it didn't feel comfortable to be anywhere. Yeah, it was Whereas hot this and... was just a really nice place. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they expected it to be anything like the, you know, the same enormous crowds or anything like that. They said that they wanted it to be quite small because it's a bit overwhelming to have too many people there. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot easier to keep crowds in control. and Yeah, there's like a lot that I liked about this over the others. I can understand, you know, that, that they can't all be like this. Like, there's no way PAX is going to ever be a small little thing. No. Even though, I don't know, maybe it started out that small. But yeah, it was nice, especially, you know, like walking the main hall and looking at the vendors and, and stuff in the main hall, checking out the games and stuff like that. It was nice to not be crowded and jostled and <laughs> to be able to take your time. Yeah, you could spend a lot more time playing the game and talking to the developer or to yeah. the artist. The, yeah, the atmosphere was just good. I had a good time. Mm. I think the next one will help it find its feet a little bit more. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this was its first year and um, it was totally crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. So there was a Kickstarter for it. They made 55000 just over $55,000, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is pretty good because I don't think the marketing was huge. Yeah. Um, most of that, actually, uh, they have a breakdown of where all that money went. 43% of that was just for the venue. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So the Australian Technology Park's not cheap? No, I guess not. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. Oh, it's a big area, I guess, if you want to book the whole thing out. But what happens if no one's using it? Like, I've only ever been to two things there. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> so I'm wondering what it's been used for before. Well, they did have a blacksmithing class on the way in. <laughs> we had to walk by that. <laughs> that was unusual. So what was your favourite thing about it? Well, mine was actually, I don't know, I nearly beat a developer at his own game. Oh, that was terrific. <laughs> he was so cocky and confident. We played this game called Screen Cheat by Samurai Punk. Mm-hmm. You play as an invisible character. It's kind of like Goldeneye. You're invisible and you have to look at other people's screens to find out where they are to kill them. 
Yes. Yep. So you um you you'll never see the other players in the game world, but you can look because it's split screen. You can look at where they are from their perspective to figure out where they are. Yes. And all the levels are different colors. Like the levels of one uh, area are different colors, so you can kind of tell. Yeah. What they're between. And, and when you kill them, their body appears and you can see the body. But until that point, you can only see, you know, if they shoot, you can see where the shots came from. And then, yeah, like by looking at their screen, you can kind of figure out where they are. But it's a, it's a cool game. It's a good concept. Mm. I really like that the bodies stayed. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were so floppy. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> I was enjoying it because I was just beating everyone. Yeah, you're kicking our asses. Yeah. We even teamed up against Luke. Right. And still couldn't beat him. Yeah, three versus one. Actually, that just makes it easier for me. Yeah. It just goes to show that you were a savant at cheating when you were younger. Yep. And probably continued to this day. Yeah. No, I don't cheat. I, I don't like cheating. Because you don't play, <laughs> I don't play <laughs> split with screen people games anymore. anymore. Yeah. I tried to play split screen a little while ago. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Apart from that game where you have to do it. Yeah, we tried playing Gears, the new the, the re-release of Gears split screen, and it's, ugh. You can't do it. So do you want to talk us through your, your epic battle with the developer? Well, you all asked him if you think he could beat me. Right. And he's gone, I've got 800 hours in this game. Yeah, I can beat him. So we set up a 1v1. And I was winning for most of that match. He even chose a new map. Yeah. yeah like I've already played the game twice before. And he goes, oh, we'll throw it on a new map that you don't know to make it easier for him. I think if I had of Because I didn't even worry about changing weapons. Because you start off with this musket thing. That's the, the only gun I've ever used. Blunderbuss. It's the only weapon I've ever used, so I just stuck with that. And at the end he goes, yeah, that's probably like the... It's a good weapon, but it's, <laughs> everything else is better than that. Yep. He beat me by one point in the end. <laughs> so did. the moral of the story is do not challenge Luke to anything. <laughs> yeah. Video game related. If you challenge him to a foot race, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you'll kick my ass. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the couple of panels we went to. Oh, the role-playing panel was fantastic. Yeah, yes. definitely. That was amazing to be in the room with some of the guys who have created uh, some so of my favourite games. Yeah, it's great. Like the original Fallout. Yep, Dragon Age got the shape. David gave his hand afterwards and tell him that I like Dragon Age. And I couldn't think of anything else to say because I yep. suck. Oh, man, that was like the most embarrassing encounter I've ever had. <laughs> I, was I like, hate it when I get a mental I'm blank. I'm so sorry that I spoke to you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I tend not to. No, he was great. He was really, oh, really yeah, friendly. Oh, yeah, he was really yeah, friendly. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great panel. It was interesting. They were talking mostly. I mean, the whole the whole event was focused on diversity and and making diverse people more welcome because gaming does tend to be, for various reasons, kind of a straight white people's medium. And so, a lot of the panels were focused around that theme, like making it more inclusive. Uh, this mm. one was particularly good, I thought, because they handled everything well and they had some really good ideas about how to do that. And there was no there was no negativity because I think sometimes. It seems like those conversations can get very negative and there's not a whole lot of solutions presented. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why that is. And it's one of the things that I feel like as a straight white male, <laughs> I'm very well represented. Right. So mm. One yeah. of the things that I actually got out of it was like throughout the day and the, hearing people talk was I, could, I probably got a bit more of an understanding now about why people are really wanting to have this inclusion in games. I agree. With the diversity Yeah, I now. agree as well. I, I was... I was a little bit on the fence about it before because it seems like everybody's argument is always just aggressive rather than offering a solution. Yeah, mm. I, th I think the problem is when we hear about it, it's it's on Twitter or it's in a news article and it's always associated with some outrage. And we That's never, right. We're not exposed to it day to day 
in a positive way. And right, and nobody's really saying, here's what we should do to make it better. It's always just like, someone needs to make it better. And yeah, and, that and doesn't help. this particular thing is really bad. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's negative. Yeah, and there was a panel that we went to yesterday that was like that. Yeah, I, I didn't so much enjoy that panel. It was the Gender in Video Games panel. Was it the name, the title of it? Yeah, that was Gender in Games. Yeah. yeah. I felt like they had some very good points, but I also felt like it, it was very uh, finger pointy. And... Mm. Especially towards Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Evidently, guys in Fedora are the enemy. Well, we know that because that's a trope. But it was just funny to hear them disparage, you know, the generalization of, uh, of people and how people are individuals and you shouldn't make assumptions about groups of people. And then to make uh, a general... Just a sweeping generalization about yeah, men in Fedoras. And then, yeah. I, and obviously, it was a joke, and we know it was a joke, and it was fine. But it was yeah, just, but Luke it was from the just... back going, "Hey, what did I do?" <laughs> yeah. that, that was probably my favorite moment of yesterday. Yeah. So they made a joke that said that uh, the diversity in gaming will probably upset people wearing fedoras, and everyone yeah. had a laugh. And yeah, it's a funny joke because that is a, it's a kind of a, a silly internet joke. Except Luke was the only person in the room wearing a fedora, <laughs> and so, and then they realized and apologized to him, and it kind—I of, don't know. It just felt like ironic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Because she was going on about not generalizing. And yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you know, and just to be clear on that, we don't care. We just we're not. We don't expect her to apologize or anything. I just think no, I didn't think anything of it. No, no, it was it was very funny, but it just kind of proved to me that they make just as bad of generalizations. Yeah, it's as... just a human thing, and we can get better at it. But everybody does it, and it's not fair to to, to point the finger. All the time. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I did quite get out of that, which they said was, um, with uh, Dragon Age, with the transgender character, yeah, yeah, how that was yep. such a good thing because while a lot of the plays of video games are quite older, there are still a lot of children who play them, yeah, and yeah. you actually have like someone who is young playing a game, seeing a transgender character, and starting to feel that's okay, that's it's normal. just normal, yeah, yeah, and that makes it a bit easier for them to deal with it. I never thought of that before. Yeah, well, it's hard to change the minds of people who have already come to conclusions. But for younger generations, if you just treat stuff as normal, they only see it as normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the things that we talk about, at the, you know, like they talk about these events and stuff like that. I feel like we're, as a group, like as in I'm talking about us personally, my friends, Mm -hmm. we're quite accepting of people. Um, it's just that some of this stuff is new to us as well. That's right. Mm. And, and we make mistakes. Like, for example, I make assumptions when I meet somebody, like I, I say, oh, hey, man, kind yeah. of thing. And I appreciate now that that can be upsetting for somebody. But on the other hand, it's new to me. <laughs> right. And there, there are things like gender fluidity, for example, that I hadn't heard of until recently. Exactly. And I didn't know it was a thing. So now that I do, mm. I'm coming to understand it, but it does yeah. take some time. Yeah, and also I feel like, too, the people discussing these things often talk amongst themselves on Twitter or on Facebook, and then when they, they get out, maybe they forget that, I don't know, not everyone... That there's not really an audience on, on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, not everybody is as familiar as they are with these things, and so some, someone takes offense to something that's not meant to be offensive. Yeah, they get defensive about and it. And again, I'm not making excuses. There are people on the internet who are just assholes. Oh, of and course. And there are people in life that are just assholes. It's actually part of the reason why I don't use social media. But... <laughs> They're on both sides sometimes. And I think yeah. it's good to remember that. And from my point of view, I feel like I learned that there are a lot of valid points being made 
that sometimes get drowned out by the assholes on both sides. Yeah, I, I think going to an event like this was a lot better than trying to read up on it on Twitter or any yeah. social media. Yeah, the problem with Twitter is that the most outrageous stuff floats to the surface and right. the people who are being reasonable and rational generally sink to the bottom because that's not as interesting. Yeah, it's the same with YouTube videos on the subject. The louder yeah. and more aggressive people are the ones that you hear. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, overall, I feel like for me, it was a positive experience. And sorry, not to disparage the people in that the gender in video games panel completely. They had some good points. I just feel like maybe they didn't. I think maybe the, the, the format of it didn't allow them to reach points. I think they actually even apologized for that because um, they were meant to have someone in there giving them questions. Like a moderator. Yeah. yeah. And they were basically just thrown in there on their own and just started talking. It kind of felt and ill-prepared. Talking about concepts that to me, I wanted to ask questions, but I felt like I, I, I didn't quite even know what to ask. And there was a lot of like assumed knowledge where it's just a bit vague to me. And I, I guess I just didn't understand it. And then someone asked a question I thought was very good. They were talking about the representation of women in films and how when you see strong women, they feel like often the woman is just a man. Is a man's character. put a woman in the role. It's a man, yeah, it's a man who's been portrayed by a woman. And the example they used was um, Alien. Yeah. yeah because that was Ripley was originally a male character and they've just gone, let's make that character female. Right, and I know that and that's true. Hmm. But my question was, I'm like, do you think that because you know that it was written as a man or do you think that because, because the character is actually written to be a man and they just put you know Sigourney Weaver in the role and I didn't quite understand how to how you fix that right it, it wasn't just alien either it was um all horror movies that she said the trope is that like the strongest mm. of the women survive and well what's wrong with that yeah like, or, what's wrong with having a strong female character isn't that the goal right and the, the guy asked the question he asked was you said that if putting masculine characteristics onto a woman or, or characteristics that are generally considered to be masculine onto a woman doesn't make a strong female character. But is it not true that they're just human characteristics and they're not necessarily masculine or feminine? And it's it's more kind of stereotyping that says the strong woman is masculine. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was a really of... good question. Yeah. And then I just really don't think that they, they addressed it at all. She kind of deflected it. Well, I don't, I don't know if she quite understood what he meant. I, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't my favorite panel ever. No, no. <laughs> I hate all panels, to tell the truth. I, I really liked the RPG one later, though. <laughs> no, the second people start asking questions. <laughs> oh, oh when audience members people, ask questions? Oh. No, they should not ask questions. No. <laughs> it is horrible. They weren't the worst questions I've heard, though. <laughs> no, they weren't the worst. Some of them were actually quite good, but I just, I dread that every time that yeah. the audience gets um, to ask questions. Hi, um... Excuse me. Thank you for coming I've talked out. to him about this on the podcast, I'm sure. But the worst one I ever heard was at the first PAX I ever went to in Seattle. And a guy got up and started talking about his script that he'd written about a science fiction film. He went on and on and to the point where it was, this was in the Penny Arcade Q&A. So Mike and Jerry actually just sat down on the stage as this guy was talking. <laughs> and everyone was just kind of like chuckling and going, when is this going to finish? Talking about his script and how he, he worked through it. And it's kind of like Firefly meets this and blah, blah, blah for ages. And then at the end... He said, anyway, my question is, um, I know that Will Wheaton is here. Do you think you could ask him to ask Felicia Day if she'll get in touch with me about um, being in the pilot for the, for the script? That's terrible. And they were like, no, next yeah. question. Yeah, they were like, no, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. 
So embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but the people who get up there and ask about jobs or they'll ask oh, yeah, a question where it's so specific and they're just trying to show that, hey, I'm a super fan. I'm going to ask you a question that no one else knows. All that means is no one else cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's just me. Yeah. But, uh, oh, but somebody actually asked. So in that panel, it was Chris Avalon who uh, wrote for Fallout mm-hmm. and South Park too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. The guy from Obsidian. Um, yep. Tim yeah, Kane, yeah. a programmer of Fallout. David Gaynor mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Bioware. And also Manver, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Manver <laughs> Air from Bioware. Spot on. Thanks. <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> so somebody from the audience asked them what their ideal game would be. Mm. Ideal RPG. And that was a great question because the answers were so great. Yeah, yeah. Some really interesting stuff. And it's kind of a shame that I know that the format of the event was about, you know, diversity and stuff like that. But that question in particular made me think it's a shame that not only do people get excluded, but ideas get excluded Mm -hmm. due to the demographic stuff. Like, um, you know, like the Call of Duty players. I mean, that's a generalization, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Is it about war? Is it about dragons? Or is it about space in the future? If it's not, it's too too risky. Let's Mm -hmm. not do it. I feel like there's some great ideas out there that don't get a look in, in AAA stuff. Yeah. Well, one of them, I think it was Tim Kaine, was it? Yeah, this was the best. His ideal game was that you're walking around in afterlife having to make reparations for everything that you've done in life. (laughs) It was really heavy. Yeah. Uh, My biggest takeaway from all of this stuff was and i feel like sometimes like i said people are a bit negative about all this stuff but it seems like there's an opportunity there if you're a game developer and you want more games about say transgendered issues or whatever right the fact that the big companies the ubisofts and the and the bethesdas and that aren't focusing in on that market is an opportunity for yeah you. leaves it open for you yeah and then it means games like uh like gone home can be made by indie companies and can kind of focus on those things yeah. without just being drowned out by that was a terrific game yeah it was you know by assassin's creed whatever because we need more of those yeah we don't need an assassin's creed game you know about those issues i don't think we don't need an assassin's creed game about <laughs> anything anymore <laughs> no, maybe hey, not. i still like assassin's creed <laughs> you would you're one of uh, I guess you're one of many if they keep making them. But... They keep selling. I don't actually pay attention to the story in Assassin's Creed games anymore. <laughs> you just collect feathers. Yep. Just see do it shanties. for the achievements. What do you collect in the, in the newer ones? Letters. In the Paris one, in uh, Trinity. Like the alphabet? Trinity? No, no, no. <laughs> Actual letters, I think. I can't actually remember. Lots of chess. That's Assassin's I'll Creed Sesame chess. Street. <laughs> <laughs> I would play that. <laughs> Well, let's get back to uh, GX. <laughs> yeah, let's try and I focus. The one thing that I think was that they need to work on is probably the cost of it, the cost of going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, look, to be fair, they gave out a lot of free tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, but when I'm, um, Hannah was nearly not going to go just due to the price because there was no, like, one-day pass, mm-hmm. which I was a big shock over. Like, there's no one-day. It was from what I could see. It was Honestly, all, like, two I think days. the whole convention could have been pushed into one oh, day. one day. Well, we didn't go to a whole lot of the panels. So maybe no, I mean but, th- there was there was a lot on, but, right. but yeah, I don't there know. Weren't too many overlapping. Um, there were mostly two at any one time. Sure. But even if uh, maybe there are rules with the venue that it couldn't have stayed open any later. But if it had stayed maybe another three hours or oh, so, oh sure, sure, it, sure, it hmm. could have accommodated all of that and had it all in one day. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they're not going to split the passes up. Um, exactly. 
I'd be interested to because we didn't go on the Sunday. I'd be interested to see how busy it was on the Sunday. Hmm. But yeah, well, it no, was a hundred dollars for a general admission ticket. Which something like RTX or Supernova is half that for two days. Yeah, yeah. three days in so, in Supernova. Yeah, case. I think next one they really need to, uh, the price needs yeah. to come down, and I think. Although, dude, are they having it at that price point to keep the sort of the numbers where they want? Because they got they got the numbers that they were wanting. Exactly, they did. Yeah. But, and the other thing is too, something like Supernova has the benefit of of just sheer volume of of attendees. Where right. I think they probably knew they weren't going to get anywhere near those numbers because it's it is quite a niche event. And because it was a Kickstarter as well, like yeah. if people were willing to put that money forward, then awesome right that helps them out and if not they were willing to give out free tickets mm. yeah another cool thing we did was the escape room i'm so sorry guys <laughs> no i still say i won that that escape room in the first 10 seconds you broke it so enigma put on this uh kind of a trial room it was just a single room and you had a 15 minute window to escape yeah luke do you mean you won when you just submitted Yes, and said I'll never win this. No, I didn't. Sub- I didn't submit saying they were winners. I submitted because there was a story, and that the world has been taken over by vacuum cleaners. The idea of our escape room was to build the EMP to wipe them out. I just went. I now give in to our new overlords of vacuum cleaners. I was going to work for them. I think the people running the room really enjoyed that. <laughs> so I won. Yeah, and then yeah. Screwed up every single clue. You certainly did. <laughs> we couldn't figure out the um lock code. So Luke just sat there playing with it until it opened. <laughs> yeah, we kind of, I don't know, we, I don't know what happened on that first we puzzle. We botched that up so badly. <laughs> yeah. The first puzzle just took way too long. It's because you left me in charge of it. Yeah, I know. After that, we did all right. It's just that it was I, I too mean, late. I did learn a valuable lesson. And that don't trust Luke? Yeah, don't trust Luke. Yeah, <laughs> Especially never. in an emergency situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. But no, seriously, we need to, um, we need to organize to go to an escape room. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we can, need to do that. So we can get stuck in it. Yep. Yeah. Next we'll time organize it, and then we will exclude you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this was cool. They had the uh, the EMP machine. I don't want to give away the plot of the escape room in case it's part of one of their things. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it was pretty cool the way they had it set up, and you know the puzzles were cool. It was good. I'd do a legit one with them. Mm. Yeah, me too. They were very helpful. We, we, Will you take me with you? Probably not. I wouldn't either. Nah. I don't think there's a wheelchair ramp at the venue. <laughs> what else did you guys play? Um, we played a game called Retrovision by Kyle McKellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty cool. It's, it's still in its development stage. Yeah, it's like an endless runner, but it's kind of first person. You just avoid obstacles. and Yeah, and it's... it's... Uh, I forget what you call that look. It's, you know, like Tron, where it's, it's very... Um... Oh, yes, there's a name for it. Um... Yeah, I know. I just can't think of it because I suck. The lines. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the listeners are what I'm talking about. So yeah. you're kind of shooting along, and you rotate the column that you're shooting along to dodge obstacles. And it reacts to music. And yeah, it's cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I can see um, wasting time trying to get a high score on that. Yeah, exactly. I know because you got you started off getting the highest score of the day. Yeah. Until I had my turn. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, no. I smashed it. Ah, he told me somebody got six and a half thousand. Yeah, I got seven. Well, all right, forget it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Matt I and I were both around that. the three thousand mark. Oh, I thought Matt was had the highest. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got seven. Maybe he was humoring me. 
<laughs> Maybe <laughs> he just tells everybody that. Oh yeah, Matt did a great job until I beat him. Because yeah, I no, I did hear this. He, he, I did hear him telling you that uh, he someone got six and a half thousand. Oh, that was yeah. the highest of the day, and that's why I thought Matt had gotten that, not half. That. No, no, not Matt. Sorry. Oh man. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Mm. How much would you be willing to pay for tungsten dice? $800. $800? Well, have I got a deal for you then? Well, not me. Level up dice were at GX and they make these fancy ass dice from precious stones and metals and cool shit. Um, and boy, do they feel amazing. Oh man, they're cool dice, man. They're, they're beautiful like, dice. If I was, if I was rich... I wouldn't play with any other dice. I would have, yeah, if I was rich, I'd have, like, different sets for just different days of the week of those dice. They weren't all $800. No, no, no. no. Just the tungsten ones. Yeah, Yeah. we actually each got a um, secret grab bag thing of of one die. Lucky dip. Mm, That was cool. And they they were selling them in um, sets of, like, the gay and the bi and trans that, colors that was only for the day that's right mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah that was pretty yeah. cool that's awesome because normally yeah. they sell all the different colors just in the the D set on their own yeah i didn't know oh. they had colors for all of those different things neither did i but that's enlightening i learned that from a dice company <laughs> yep but no it's um the only thing it's a shame is you can't buy them online yeah they're only doing mm. the conventions at the moment that's right he, he said that they're handmade but i mean they are sort of they have a machine that does it but i think they're not uh, mass produced no, um, is is a good way to put it because they're very expensive to make. You know, with with dice, he the way he explained it, the dice ideally should be as random as possible. But you get things like air pockets and imperfections and things that when they test them, they have apparently they have machines that can test this. The dice usually end up, I think he said like sixty seventy percent random. Like mm. they'll they'll be weighted in some way that makes them more likely to to roll a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um. Which maybe that explains why we always roll so badly at D and D. I know. <laughs> Just I think, get new dice. I think maybe we all need new dice. It was the aluminium ones, he said, right? That they had like engraved some numbers a bit deeper because, right? Say like the one doesn't have as much taken yeah. out of it as like the twenty does. Yeah, he said the machine will take it and not rather than just do a side and then a side and then a side, it does a little bit of a side and then a little bit of one on the other side and then it just it kind of flicks around and changes it to make sure it's all perfectly even, which is pretty rad. Yeah. It'd be cool to play with them, but Yeah. He said they're at ninety nine point nine percent random. He said that they won't give them the extra one percent. <laughs> which is pretty That's cool. Pretty good. But yeah, so the aluminium ones start at what, 120? I think it was 120, yeah. Yeah. The precious stones, because they make them out of. Semi precious. Like, sorry, what did I say? Precious. Oh, precious. <laughs> Semi precious. <laughs> they, they're not precious. They're just a little bit precious. Um, amethyst and uh, lapis lazuli, or however you pronounce that. Uh, there was that sparkly gold one. Yeah. Soapstone. Um, some of the metal ones that had like copper. Yep. Yeah, copper, yeah. They were great, actually, because mm. they tarnish over time. They look cool. Yeah, I'd love a set of them, but... If I uh, wasn't saving up for a wedding at the moment, I probably yeah. would have been coming home with a set. I'll tell you what, those tungsten ones would destroy your table, so you better make sure you've got enough money to buy a new table. Well, just, tung- I wouldn't use them at my house. It's like the heaviest metal, isn't it, or one of them? Or like a tungsten table, maybe. <laughs> I think it's like the second strongest metal on earth or something. Like, but yeah, I wouldn't use it at my house. I'd only use it when I was playing at your house or something. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Fair enough. On our diamond table. (laughs) (laughs) They're at levelupdice.net. You can't buy them online, apparently, at the moment. But Uh, they've got got where they're going to be. 
Yeah, they're at conventions everywhere and stuff like that. So yeah, check them out. They're really, really cool. If you're mm. after some unique and, uh, I guess, eye-catching dice, they've mm. definitely, definitely got you covered. Oh, and we ran into um, Lucas from Articulate Sex. Oh, yeah, we did. That card game that, that we reviewed at PAX. Yeah. It's so weird because he's from Canberra. Oh, is he? I've never met him in Canberra. <laughs> I've met him in Melbourne. I've met him in Sydney now. And you, you know everyone in Canberra. Yep, because there's only like four people Because nobody live lives in Canberra. <laughs> so unfortunately, he's had to put that game on hold. Yeah. But hopefully we'll see it come back. Yeah, and, and if, even when it shows up, um, we'll definitely let you know about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just said um, after speaking with a lot of people, he understand that he probably went started the Kickstarter too early yeah. instead of getting the word around about it first. As, right. And as we know from doing our own Kickstarter. Oh, Kickstarter's rough, man. Yeah. Yeah, you need to... Basically, people need to know that it's happening before... You've got it up and running. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's already got to have some money on yeah. it. Running a Kickstarter is a full-time job for somebody yep. for the period that it's happening. So it was pretty cool that GX was funded like that. Yeah, totally. It's, it's not easy to do, <laughs> as we discovered. <laughs> you played a game with bunny rabbits in it, Luke. Blast and bunnies. What did you think of that? I enjoyed it. I'm going to get it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it comes out in a couple of weeks. Okay. It's a, just a tower defense game. So you're on a turret, and you've got bunnies coming at you. And the the weapons you get are sort of like carrots and watermelons and a freeze ray. <laughs> that, that that fits the and theme. I think it's just going to be a very good, quick, casual game. Stuff you have lying around on your farm. Stuff yep. you feed your rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> so what platforms is this on? Uh, I know. I saw it on the DS. But, yeah, but it's you- de- I know you didn't it's definitely play it coming. On the DS. No, I, I played it on the Xbox One. No, okay. I played it on PlayStation Four, but I know it's coming out on Xbox One. Okay, because <laughs> if it doesn't come out on an Xbox, you're not playing it. There's no achievements if I don't play it on the Xbox. Yeah. Do you even play on your PC anymore? Not really, because I play a few games that I can get achievements on on my PC. <laughs> right. Oh, but the Microsoft ones. Yeah, but no, I haven't really sat down and played like a game on Steam in a very long time. Okay. And I probably won't until I upgrade the computer, and then I'll go through a big PC phase again. Hmm. Well, one game I want to talk about briefly that was also at GX mm-hmm. is Killing Time at Lightspeed, which is a game by Gritfish, my friend John, and it's a game that's got my music in it. I did some music for it. So, Ooh. listeners, head on over to gritfish.net and check out Killing Time at Lightspeed. It's got uh, an enhanced edition coming out on Steam, but you can check it out uh, killingtimeatlightspeed.com um, or over on gritfish.net. Check it out. So, yeah, we had a great time at GX. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, they'll be back again next year and you should all check it out. I will attend. It was a great convention. It was a very small one, but it felt very personable. No, I had a good time. It was a good con. Yeah. Convention, not con. I, was, I didn't feel ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> We're bad at this. Thanks again to Liam and Joshua for setting it all up, putting it on, and giving us some tickets. We really appreciate it. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed listening to us talk, you can find some more content over at multiplenerdgasm.com. There are two points in this where I farted. <laughs> 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 yeah.